Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. And yes, we are off by 30 minutes. It seems that somewhere there's this little button inside of Blog Talk Radio that says use daylight savings times, or maybe not, uh, because all of a sudden we went from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock with the time change. I did not check that, but I now have a note inside of my calendar that tells me to double-check this as we move forward, Uh, so it's great. Hey, we are having an awesome time. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, It is a wonderful time of the year down here. Spring break is in its full bloom. This is one of our busiest weeks of the year, and I tell you, it's fun watching families and kids as they come to hang out, and I think, man, where will they be in five or ten years as they get out of college, as they get out of school, and they move into the real world? It's amazing to see where we all end up. Today, we're in the Little Red Book of Wisdom by Mark DeMoss. We're in Chapter 19. This is something that my wife has worked with me on over the years. It's something that I did not see as an issue uh, early on in my married life, let alone in just life in general. And now I am understanding more and more um, why this is important. And I've made some changes, even with uh, my clients When I travel, I try the best that I can always to have somebody in my family go with me. When I can't, uh, we make it the shortest trip possible. Mark titled this, The Best Defense is a Good Defense, Why I Won't Ride Alone with Another Woman. May Mailu said this, There's one thing to be said about inviting trouble it generally accepts. Men, maybe more than women, have... uh, an interesting situation, although I guess that, that would sound sexist, and I want to take that back a little bit, because I believe with more and more women ending up in the power or the position of power, that there are some men these days that would make allegations that may not be true, just like some women do. Women, uh, and, and I'm going to say this, ladies, please do not take offense, but over the years, women have been the ones trying to climb the corporate ladder to get to the glass ceiling to get to the corner office and in a lot of ways it's been very tough for them and every every now and then along the way someone will become scorned because she's been taken advantage of whether it's sexually whether it was just in conversation sometimes it's been by a misunderstanding where she thought there was something more to the relationship because a, a a void was being filled in her life just to find out that's not what happened I believe in the 21st century now, the same thing is ringing true for men. There are women that have reached the top, and they are beautiful ladies, powerful women, and they have men that are working for them. And some of those men have the same type of personality as a woman. And they're thinking there's more to the relationship, or, or they want more to the relationship. And in some cases, there, there have been some women that have abused the relationship. But through and through, what we have found is that if you put up a good defense, then you don't have to worry about certain situations. And that's what Mark is going into. Now, I had a situation not too long ago come up in my life. And I, and I looking back now, I, I did a couple, three things wrong. And what happened was Paige and I a long time ago had made the decision that I wouldn't meet with anyone in the opposite sex for, for lunch or dinner or, or just like Mark, won't be in a car with just two of us. And this situation came up where I was meeting an, an, a woman several years older than I am. And I, I did not look at that 
in the same light as what I was assuming Paige was looking at. And although I did say all females, I thought, man, this gal's like old enough to be my, my mom. So what's the deal? And Paige took a big offense to that. I mean, huge offense to that. I, I dug my feet into the sand because it irritated me. And as I look back, I see where my mistake was. I see that I did not honor my wife in a way that she thought I should. And that's my bad. That's not her bad. And as I read this chapter, it really came to light what I had done wrong. And I want us to, to look at this first story that Mark uses. He says, Habitat for Humanity, one of the country's largest humanitarian organizations, shocked a nation of supporters when it fired its founder and president of, a near, president of nearly 30 years. From the New York Times to the Chronicle of Philanthropical Philanthropy, a sea of media served up the details. Millard Fuller, 70-year-old charismatic leader, has been accused of inappropriate conduct towards a female staff member. As it happened, Habitat for Humanity headquarters, as well as Millard Fuller's home, is in Americus, Georgia, about two and a half miles south of the Atlanta airport. The many times that Mr. Fuller needed to fly to Atlanta, the drill was for his assistant to flash an inquiry through the office for anyone else driving to the airport that day. A ride shared was money saved. Moreover, from the passenger seat, Fuller had two extra hours to read and dictate letters. Mr. Fuller said that until he showed up for work, he usually had no idea whom he would ride with, and for years the system worked flawlessly. Then one day, the only other passenger was a female employee who later accused Mr. Fuller of inappropriate, inappropriate behavior. It's funny, that word inappropriate. It makes you wonder, does inappropriate mean somebody didn't make a pass at me or somebody did make a pass at me? And because the word inappropriate can be utilized to just trash a reputation, and remember, a reputation is what other people think you are. It can ruin you in just a heartbeat. Here's the rest of the story. Millard resolvingly denied the accusations. After a, pro protect, a protracted and costly internal investigation, Habitat's board of directors, including former President Jimmy Carter, officially found insignificant proof of inappropriate conduct. But the damage to Mr. Fuller's reputation and to the organization he had built to serve people, unable, uh, people unable to afford their own homes, were done. Now, Millard Fuller, and, and this is Mark, and Mark, Mark, Mark is sharing, he was a special friend. He died in 2009 at the age of 74. I tell this story for several reasons. One is that with varying degrees of accuracy, the saga has been the subject of newspaper articles and editorials, letters, etc., for years. So I'm not bringing anything out of obscurity. Second is that I believe Millard was wrongfully accused. I first met Millard when my firm was working for Habitat, and it included the, the, the story that concluded before the story of Millard's remover, removal. Millard and I had rendezvoused for a major event at the Georgia Dome, and that's when he had first met him. And for 30 minutes, they were like best friends, just sitting there talking when everything else was going crazy. See, it's interesting that 
Mark publicly has no problem saying, I am his friend. The interesting thing about Millard is, is it, he was different. He was a millionaire and attorney by the age of 30, sold everything, and commits himself to the poor. I mean, he was focused on taking and building homes for people. And I've worked for Habitat for Humanity as a contractor, and they are such great people to work with. Millard was such a, a focused person that he never wanted people to bring any type – he didn't want to bring any type of, of negative press. His salary was 79000 That was all he made. The average CEO of a nonprofit the same size as, of, of Habitats makes around 210000 a year. Matter of fact, that's how much the guy was making before the founder came in and took it back over. But there was a third reason that Mark shared this story in this chapter today. He said, My third reason for mentioning this story is to illustrate the principle that one should never, that one should even go overboard to protect his reputation, his marriage, his family, and his work. While it may be seem outdated or paranoid and is often inconvenient, I submit that a married person is wiser never to ride or work, travel or dine, etc., alone with a member of the opposite sex. It's a very interesting concept. I have no problem not eating alone with somebody. I never thought about the travel, because I don't, I don't travel with another person. Our, our company is all family. But I thought about that. I thought, wow, that could be interesting there. What do you do? Insiders at Habitat for Humanity, supporters can debate the reasons for Mr. Fuller's controversial departure, the board drew a fire of criticism for his removal. But one thing is certain, until he climbed into a car to ride alone with a woman who was not his wife, he was safe from her accusation. I thought about that. So I made the excuse, honey, we met in public, she's an older woman, we had paperwork scattered all over the table. But what was to have kept somebody, older or younger, doesn't matter. If the tables, and, 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 and listen to what I'm saying here. In the place that I was meeting, there was no tablecloth to hide the legs under the table. What happens if she'd have brought her leg up on the inside of my calf or my thigh and somebody would have seen that? Maybe I had no intentions of anything, but maybe somebody else would, like the lady in the case of Mr. Fuller. Mark goes on to write, It is wise in the car, restaurant, or office, even a hotel elevator, to shun even the appearance of something inappropriate. It protects not just me, it protects the people I work with and the people I love. That's interesting. Mark shares a story here. He says, I once read about a political candidate who was accused by a staffer of spending too much time behind closed doors with a female aide. The charge sparked a couple of days of media interest, and while the politician denied wrongdoings, he couldn't deny that he spent time working alone with a female staff member. Sadly, a good man's reputation was wounded, if only by the perception of impropriety. B.K. Breko, one of my good friends, runs the Vima Corporation. When you go into their offices, his office especially is all glass. You cannot be in his office, whether you're a female or not, without everybody looking in. There is no secret places. He does that with all of his executives for a good reason. It eliminates any improprieties. I love the idea. Mark writes this. 
If I am ever so accused, I want to have operated in such a way that a host of my friends and colleagues would rush to center stage to say she's lying. He would never work alone with a woman behind closed doors. I've never seen it happen, not once. Powerful statement. Mark shares something here that I think is important for us all. He says, my firm was still in its infancy, just an administrative assistant, a client service exec, and me when we hired Beth to head our media relations work. Beth was a veteran of TV news where female reporters on assignment frequently ride alone with the cameraman. In my industry, out-of-town client meetings are equally common. But I saw the situation differently, so we needed a plan. Said my informal manifesto to our first woman executive ran something like this. We will never meet alone with the door closed. If at the end of the day we're the last two in the office, one of us go home. No lunches or dinners alone together. No shared rides to the airport. No setting together on the flight. Forfeiting valuable pre-meeting time. When renting cars out of town, I said, we will rent two. Our client will reimburse us for one, and our firm will pay for the other. That kickoff conversation between Beth and me was later formed into the company's formal policy. And though not everyone embraces it immediately, no one has ever questioned its wisdom. As a matter of fact, several clients have asked for copies of our policy. See, this is... This is some powerful stuff that we all need to look at. If we set ourselves up protecting the reputation, then we're protecting those that we love. We're protecting the vision, the dream, the big picture of where we're supposed to be heading. I've never once, in studying leaders, and I've been studying leaders for over 30 years, found where one of them fell because they were paying attention. They always fell because they weren't paying attention. They fell because they said, this would never happen to me. They fell because they really, I guess you could say, got kind of cocky, got egotistical, started believing their own rhetoric. Lord knows we can all do this. That's what causes the problems. This is why we need to be cautious. We need to be careful. We need to focus on what we're supposed to be doing. Protecting those we love. Because if we don't, the price that we pay could be devastating. What happens if there was nothing going on? And yet all of a sudden the rumors were flying rampant that there was. Where would that leave you? Mark shares a story here that I thought was interesting. I've never been in this situation, but I've been in suites like this. He said, several years ago, I was amazed that public figures, the way that they live, they, well, excuse me, let me start. He said, "There's the bigger the target, the more people shoot at it. You guys ever hear that? He said, I continue to be amazed at the public figures who live as if they don't at least know the principle. Several years ago, while attending a large religious convention, I arranged to meet a potential client, a man well-known in, in certain circles, in his hotel suite. I walked off the elevator, turned down the hall to the designated suite number, and knocked on the door. 
I was thoroughly surprised to be greeted by his female executive colleague. Like many suites I'd seen during the convention, this one was set up for conducting business with with light snacks and a a setting area that included tables and chairs, a bathroom, and an adjoining bedroom. The man and woman introduced themselves to me, and we dove right into our meeting. Later, when I left the suite and the door closed behind me, I was quite certain nothing untowards was happening. But as a public relations professional, I was equally concerned that if someone had suggested questionable behavior, their defense would have been like Swiss cheese. See, how many times nothing's going on, and we know nothing's going on. But what about those days when you've just had a fight with your spouse? What about those days when you're, you're just drained, you've been busting your butt, working all night long? It's crazy. Have you ever thought of that? That's when our we just let our guards down. And if you don't believe me, then go study the, the, the what interrogation techniques used by the military or the CIA. Sleep deprivation. You've been on the road. Everything's going on. I've got a good friend of mine. love him to death. He loves his wife. I don't know how many times when we've been at the same events as speakers. I've seen him drinking wine with women that aren't his wife. A couple of times I've seen him actually, in the process of business, invite women back to his room totally platonic, totally for business. But yet I wonder what other people might think. Matter of fact, I know one time that he took a lady back to his room. They'd been drinking so much she passed out. Talk about causing some headaches. And not just from the wine. See, these are the things that we must caution each other on. It is impossible to be physically involved with someone whom we're never alone with. While there's other ways to stumble short of extramarital sex, and we all are capable of stumbling, Mark writes, I am determined at least to make it more difficult for me to do so. And I agree with him on that. We constantly must be looking for ways to protect ourselves and our family. In closing today, here's what Mark says. He said, God built and blessed us with natural appetites and longings. In a broken world, he also knows better than we do that we all carry personal wounds. He knows how easily, particularly on low days, anyone can take a shortcut to a good feeling. When he commanded us not to steal or lie or don't commit adultery, he was saying don't do these things to yourself. Because God loves us so thoroughly, I am certain that don't can be a most positive word. I love that. He closes by saying, My suggestion to avoid even the hint of indiscretion are not necessarily easy. Indeed, they are often inconvenient. But especially for people in the public eye, I urge you to take the hard road. For reasons that far transcend the feeling or a circumstance, we are wise to take whatever extra steps to help us not to stumble or even to appear to stumble. There's a reason this is called the Little Red Book of Wisdom. We have the knowledge, we know the principles, but putting them into place is wisdom. Amazing. If you think I stepped on your toes today, wait till tomorrow. Mark Tame, this chapter, here's to not drinking at all. Do wisdom and alcohol mix? 
Remember, I just told the story about a good friend of mine, a little bit of alcohol, a bottle of wine, a woman passes out in his room. Nothing happened, or so they say. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow on RealMentorsRadio.com.